Before we get into this week's episode of the UNI podcast, we think it's important to address what's happening in Nigeria. The Special Anti-Robbery Squad, SARS, was put in place to protect civilians from armed robbers. Instead, they extort, harass, attack, and kill innocent youth. What can you do? You can use your voice on social media to inform the world about what's happening in Nigeria. Thank you for tuning into the UNI podcast. On this week's episode, we have an interview with Courtney Williams, LMFT. She was born and raised in Flint, Michigan, and she was lucky to have an amazing group of friends that assisted her in creating her own path. Her experiences, mentioned in this week's episode, fueled her desire to study psychology, leaving her to complete her undergraduate studies at Eastern Michigan University. Through her experiences in undergrad, she was able to complete her first piece of research that was published in the McNair Scholars Research Journal and presented at local and national conferences. She has since started a YouTube channel and Facebook page on managing mental health, as she believes every individual can benefit from quality information without a price tag attached. In addition to this, she's recently started a consulting company focusing on building self-efficacy while prioritizing mental health needs. Here's our conversation with Courtney. The UNI podcast promotes love, happiness, and abundance. Through storytelling and sisterhood, they encourage self-love, a balanced worth ethic, and a healthy life. This is Ozzy and Caro. And thank you so much for listening to the UNI podcast. Courtney, thank you so much for joining us on the UNI podcast. Uh, we are so excited for this episode. We thought that you'd be perfect for our mental health file. You're doing amazing things, and we think that your experiences, but also your your background and your education and just what you're doing in life would be a huge tool to people listening. So we'll just jump right in. Thank you so much. I'm, I feel very grateful to be here. Thank you. Could you talk to us more about your story and what led you to become a cognitive and behavioral therapist? For me, I grew up in Flint, Michigan, and I was... I was lucky and what made me lucky is that I I had really strong role models in the home so I had my mom and she you know she was a single parent my parents were divorced and although my father was always in the picture my mom was the the main one I saw every day and so I saw the way she had to hustle and that was very inspiring to me however on the other end of that I had a lot of things that I was working through so you know youngest child of of four thinking my sister or my sisters and and my brother were much much smarter than I was you know those types of things my father was also a minister so I was a preacher's kid and being in the church listening to a lot of the messages come through and also knowing that you know I'm not a straight person um, and trying to figure out what that meant for me as a preacher's kid in more of an inner city where there are expectations. And so I really kind of struggled with that and tried to figure out where I fit and had my own issues with mental health. 
in that, I was able to meet an amazing support network of friends, teachers, mentors that did their part in helping me figure out what I needed. Therapy was nowhere near my mind when it came to high school. At that time, I, th I thought I was going to do nursing. And then I went to undergrad at Eastern, you know, sorry, I know, I, I know where this is, but, you know, Eastern Michigan, gotta, you know, gotta give it up to them because they were one of the top 100 LGBT friendly schools in the nation. And so when I went there, I was able to breathe. I was able to figure out who I was outside of expectation and that process was very freeing for me and assisted me with my mental health and so just that process taking some psychology courses and wanting to understand myself more led to me falling in love with this idea that there is no answer right? which is very interesting kind of moving on to uh, CBT cognitive behavioral therapy because this particular therapy modality is very evidence-based, meaning that there have been studies into the effectiveness of this treatment. Um, while I am, I am trained in, in CBT, and I actually love doing CBT, I am also able to do other, other types of therapy, I guess you could say. So in addition to CBT, I also consider myself as a humanistic therapist, which means that I am about the person. When I'm sitting with a client, I have unconditional positive regard, meaning that I am looking at the person sitting in front of me. I'm not looking at what they've done. I'm not looking at what people have said they are, what people think they are. I'm looking at that person, if that makes sense. So taking a step back, CBT, um, for those who don't know kind of what this is, cognitive behavior therapy is, is based in this idea that we view the world through our past experiences. So we every situation that we encounter, we encounter it and we um, interpret it, I guess you could say, through the experiences that we had in our past, through lessons we've learned, through our values, rules that our family have had, all of that. So then take it a step farther. When we look at CBT, we want to break situations down and look at the, the actual situation and not situations that have occurred that have occurred in the past okay so when you have a situation you're going to view it in a couple of different ways and what I would I would love a whiteboard here because this is where I would put my little my little triangle right and that's what we call the cognitive triangle so on that triangle we have thoughts emotions and behaviors just wrapping that one up Oh my god, I love the triangle! Yay! Someone knows the triangle! Yay! So I use the triangle! Oh my gosh! You just made me so happy! Oh my goodness! I was like, oh my god, when you mentioned the triangle, I was like, oh my gosh, this is gonna be the triangle I use. Then you like said all the parts, and I was like, yes, it's the triangle I use. Yes. It was actually that, really interesting yes. learning more about that, though. Sorry well, to what do, well, look, No, do not. I love it! What do you know about the triangle, though? My knowledge doesn't really go into the triangle. My knowledge just goes into me using the triangle. Mainly Ayo. because I, during, I started therapy over the summer. And in the middle of my 
therapeutic sessions, I guess. Uh, my therapist recommended that I do um, some co the same like cognitive behavioral therapy and she recommended me using the triangles to kind of work through my emotions because there are times where I would have some depressive states and then there are times where I'd be happy and then there's always like this in between and I would sometimes fall into the depressive moods that I had and I wouldn't really know what got me there so she recommended that I use this triangle to learn more about myself so that I know how to kind of maneuver throughout my life a little bit more and know what I needed to do when say if a behavior kind of popped up or one of my thoughts popped up yes what I can do to avoid going further to like further down the sadness road than towards me being happy so uh, I know you all can't see me but as a my own brand of therapist and the way my style is I get so excited when my clients are like oh yeah that's what you're talking about um because so often clients know so much more than they give themselves credit for um I don't know if that makes sense to you just yet but you all know things we all know things but we we minimize our knowledge because we doubt ourselves. So let me stop because um, I can go down that rabbit hole. But bringing it back to the triangle, yes, it's this idea that thoughts, emotions, and behaviors are all connected. So if you can change one of those things, and it, it depending on depending on the therapist, you know, uh, you might have a therapist that believes in trying to get at the emotion, try to change the emotion. For me. In my experience, sometimes emotions just are. Um, so I don't try to change the emotion. However, I'll come at the behavior. So if everything's happening and you feel so sad and, you're, and those depressive symptoms are happening and you find yourself withdrawing from people, you're not reaching out, you're not answering phone calls, well, that's likely going to intensify that feeling of sadness and that feeling of loneliness, which can only feed those negative automatic thoughts. So CBT says, okay, let's get you to do something different. Instead of withdrawing, how about you answer that text message, right? How about you, <laughs> the days of the pandemic, how about you schedule a, a virtual chat with that friend that's been attempting to get you on the phone? And see what happens. See if it changes. If it doesn't change the emotion necessarily, let's see if it can decrease the intensity of that emotion. And please let me know if that doesn't make sense. But no, it does. It does make sense. Yeah, I'm understanding. Awesome. Awesome. So that is how the triangle works together. Uh, so, so important. So again, I, I love using CBT because it, I think it allows clients to see results a little bit faster than maybe some other things. However, the humanist in me, right, if my client has a day where they're like, yo, the, this past week has been really difficult and I just need you to be quiet and let me get this out <laughs> so that we can maybe problem solve later. But you just got to be quiet. Don't be, don't be trying to set no agenda. Just be quiet. I'm like, you know, thank you for letting me know what you need. <laughs> Let's go ahead and do what we got to do. Right. So, again, different strokes for different folks. You know, every therapist that you meet is going to be different. All right. 
Um, so to anyone out there that is either in therapy or looking for a therapist, I would definitely encourage you to find someone that you feel comfortable with. You know, that, well, comfortable is not the right word. That you feel safe with, you know. Um, that relationship is so important between you and your therapist. Thank you so much for that. Have your interactions with your own family influenced your studies and family development? Actually, not too, not too much. Um, the program that I went through, I had to take all, all the courses, all the ranges of courses. Um, and through the different places that I've worked, I've done more or less family therapy. But in taking a step back, you know what? I might have lied to you a little bit. It was unintentional. Let me fix it. When it comes to my family, again, I, you know, I talked about being a preacher's kid and knowing that I loved differently. So in teenage years, it's very normal for that person to look for identity, whatever that looks like for that person. So my journey, I didn't know who was a safe person. I didn't know if, if my mom would still love me if I told her that, you know, I, I liked girls. And at the time, people being kicked out of their homes for being gay was basically, you heard it all the time. Excuse me, let me put it on me. I heard it all the time. Um, So I had a lot of fear growing up that if my family members really knew me, they might not love me anymore. So I learned to put on a mask and make it seem like I was always good and I was what was expected and that was very interesting to me because it's like well what is that why why do I need to be something different than who I am to get them to love me if the purpose of family is to love you unconditionally it just didn't make sense in that I came out to my family and I got the reactions that I needed that's that's how I'm gonna say that I got the responses that I needed and it showed me that there was a lot of miscommunication and misunderstanding with my family. So I knew if that was happening with my family, I can only imagine what was going on in other people's homes. So compare, you know, compare that with my studies and, and family development, it allowed me to be humble. Um, and and when I when I say that, when families come in for family therapy, a lot of times you'll find what you you might have heard as a, the identified patient. So it's that person. Like this particular person is the one causing the problem. But through my experiences with my family and through my studies, I realize it's not an identified person. This is a system. Right? And everybody is playing a part. And although you might have a quote-unquote identified person, other people in the home are benefiting from that person behaving in that particular way. So that allowed for me again to be humble and when I met clients instead of meeting them you know reading their assessment and thinking that I oh I know I know exactly what's going on here it allowed me to walk in with an open mind of what is the dynamic of the family what is happening how are they interacting together to see how that could explain what was happening with my particular client. Right, does, does that make sense to you all? 
No, yeah, yes, it, does. it does. Yes. Awesome. See, I also have this call and answer thing. I had a professor. <laughs> I had a professor in undergrad. Um, her name was Pam Landau, and she would do class, and she would ask a question, and she would just wait <laughs> to hear people say, "We get it." I feel like with the pandemic, I I noticed that a lot because there's just a lot of blank. I I feel for the professors just because there's a blank screen and no one is saying anything, so you kind of have to like shut into the abyss and see if anyone is still still with you. <laughs> yup, absolutely. I don't even take that one a step farther. I see my clients um, through telehealth, so same thing. Um, I'll be saying something, and sometimes I get animated, and I I think that's also what helps me have a connection with my clients when we were back in the golden days of sitting in an office, someone, you know, so close, you can reach out and touch them. It was such a beautiful time. And in that time, I would be so expressive. And I think that's what would really draw my clients in. <laughs> COVID hit and said, guess what? You need to do something different. And now I find myself doing the same thing. Hey, does that make sense? Uh, hey, do I need to say something differently? Uh, oh, are you still there? Hey, what's going on? Oh, sex. No, my teacher would also do that. Every once in a while, she would say sex because that would get people's attention. You know. Oh my god, you really off threw me off just that's now when you good. said that. <laughs> See? There you go. Take that little nugget. You know, go ahead and use that. You said it's sex, and I was like, wait, what? Wait, how did we get to that? <laughs> we should do that in the podcast, exactly. especially with our solo episodes. Just say sex, <laughs> and it starts to feel a bit dull. <laughs> you are so welcome. So yes, it works. I'm telling you. Uh, but I think that's that's part of the pandemic. You have to get creative and find ways to do things that were so simple before, but now are just a little bit more complex. Um, you talk about how you've kind of shifted your focus on CBT, but I kind of want to go into the family development, if that's okay with you. That's okay with you. Yes, absolutely. Right. Um, so why do you think social and emo- emotional development is so important how does it affect the dynamics of a family so i'm gonna try and be as concise as possible um it's really everything okay so the social development this is how you interact with other people if you don't know how to interact with people you're gonna have a very difficult time in life period. It doesn't matter what you want to do. You can be in IT working from home. You still need to know how to work with people to some degree. Emotional development. Everyone is at some point is going to have unexpected stressors. Everyone. In a home, in someone's home environment, there are going to be things that happen. A kid is going to do something that's going to irk the parent. The parent is going to do something that's going to irk the child. So that emotional development is being able to handle that and cope with it without falling apart or without thinking that that person does not love you. Right. So let's say we have a parent that's disciplining their their child and 
the parent gives that child a punishment. But after that punishment, there's nothing there. There's, there's no repair. There's no talking. For that kid, what they may take from that is, well, one, if I do something, anything, I'm going to get attention. So let me go ahead and just do stuff so that I can get attention, positive or negative. Does that make sense so far? Yeah, yeah, yeah it does. If that parent can teach that child, hey, you did something bad. I, this is your punishment. However, nothing you can do is going to stop me from loving you. So having that repair is that emotional development. Okay. That shows that kid, okay, if I do something, even if I get in trouble for it, no matter what, my parent is going to love me. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of how this works. That social development, again, I love it with siblings. I love you love my brother. as an example. Yes, please. Love you, Venna. Please dive into social <laughs> and development. I do. Kara sees I do. me and my brother fight all the time. Like he, She literally saw us today fighting. They were at each other's throats. At throats. And <laughs> I just right. sat there and took took it all in. Yeah. Um, I realized right. that. So I'm an only child. I love it. Well, oh my gosh. My brother listens to this podcast. I'm so sorry. I'm so you oh, And you say I have problems? Mulligan. Mulligan. I just grew up as, like, I grew up alone, so I kind of feel as if I'm an only child. So it's no, always, that, it's really hard for me to remember that, <laughs> yes, you do have a brother. He may be a father figure, but he is still your brother. So there's kind of like that this makes so much sense. Within that. I know you exist, brother. I love you. Yeah. That happens all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but sorry, we we c- totally cut you off. But continue about the sibling sibling relationship. Oh no, you're totally fine. What I love about it is that that really gives you um, a glimpse into this social development. So, siblings. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna speak more general terms. Obviously, there's always people outside of the outside of the normal quote unquote normal lines, right? But siblings can sit there and just tear each other down they will literally and figuratively throw each other across the room however let somebody try to do something to one of them siblings outside of that house you know what look i just oh you're literally speaking my life ozzy's just her You're facial reaction my just life. Like, oh. let me let me just give you an example <laughs> let me give you an example please so, oh i love examples in terms yes of me and my brother my brother i'm older than my brother by about a year and 10 months so me and kara knows this but me and my brother are always at each other's throat when he was younger i used to call him peanut head and just just insult the life out of him at the time very long time ago, I was taller than him. So I used to always talk about how he was short. He needs to eat more beans because that's kind of like a thing in Nigeria where you eat more beans, you get taller. But I used to come for him. But I guess even I think I'm seeing it now that I'm older, but I go out at night and my brother is super, super overprotective of me. Like he'll be like, oh, don't take an Uber. If you need me to pick you up, I will pick you up. Don't go here. Don't go there. He's just super protective of me. So I can definitely... I'm definitely, I can definitely see what you're saying. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's the same thing with my sisters. 
Um, I'll just use my my middle sister. This this girl. Oh my goodness, she would like step on me. Literally, <laughs> I would just be on the floor. She'd be like, "Oh look," and just boop, step right on me. It's just horrible. That sounds Yet. So... no. <laughs> this is why you, you I'm know there so was so much I'm love only... in it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I don't... keep saying I'm happy I'm an only child. <laughs> she totally said she that. Said and it I mean, that's hilarious. That I'm an only child. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But proceed as to it. how your sister just steps on you. Like, I just she don't should. understand what's you the know... hype about having siblings. They're amazing, though. I love my brother. It's It's great, though. Because at the same time, if there was something going on, she was right there. She was like, hey, Court, I'm going to distract mom and you go and get get them chips over there. And then we're going to go upstairs and we're just going to, you know, have them to ourselves. So even though she would be, you know, an older sis, older sister, you know, she she helped me learn life. She was also there to support me in every way. So, one, I learned problem solving <laughs> through just dealing with her. Because I'm like, hmm, I can tell my sister is distracted. So she might be a little nicer to me today. Let me go ahead and see what I can get out of her. Versus, oh, no, my sister's in a mood today. I better change my approach because I still want to get what I want to get out of her. Right? That was still all true. But that taught me how to problem solve. So when I took, went out of the house and I'm, let's say, in high school and someone is picking on me, right? They're attempting to bully me. I've never really been bullied. Um, but there were some attempts. Those instances would come in my mind. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. You don't come at me. Because even if you do get at me, I'm going to call my sister and she going to handle it. But... A bully is just somebody that don't know what to do, so I would just use those problem-solving skills, right? That was my social development. I knew how to deal with people, right? So when you can have that training by those primary caregivers, those the, the family of origin, it really sets you up to feel more confident, right? You know that you can go out. You can make mistakes. You can try things and mess up. And your family is still going to be, your family of origin, excuse me, is still going to be there to love and support you unconditionally. So that's for me, it's everything. A parent can make sure that someone has food and they have, a, and they have clothing and they can have a roof over their head and that they are physically safe. You can do all that. But children need more than that. They need to know that they are loved. They need to know that no matter what, that parent is going to be there to pick them up and just say, you know what, it's all right, I got you. So so that piece is truly, it's paramount, paramount. Um, I don't know, just you guys, I just, I have a brother. It just feels as, like, it's a little weird. It's a little weird disconnect feeling because, like, he is older than me. But I still do kind of Kara, please, just, can you be specific about how old he is? You're active oh, my brother, two okay, my years. Brother. It's not two year difference. <laughs> my brother. Wait, how? Is, wait, so how old are you? First, so. I am twenty years old. 
And if I'm 20 years old, that means my brother is now 39 years old. I love it. So he's 19 years right. older than I am. So that's kind of why there's a disconnect. Yeah, it's there's, not that's two why, years. It's not, it's, not like, it's not like two years or five years. It's it's a it's, full, it's, it's, my, it's almost it's a lifetime. my lifespan. It's been my yes. lifetime. <laughs> I can see that my oldest sister, she's not, not quite, you know, that, that same, but she's eight years um, older than I am. So there, there was a little disconnect between us. Luckily we've been able to, we've, we both have committed to work on bridging that. Um, but tell me, tell me more. I'm, I'm like fascinated right now. No, it was just, I was just trying to build, I was just trying to like make a connection between how everyone always says like siblings are so great to have especially when you said that school example and you'd be like oh I can just call my sister and she'll handle you on she will handle you it was kind of the opposite for me my brother came to me and told me um I can't remember it was really I think I was in about sixth grade and my brother told me if you ever come to me and tell you somebody's bullying you I will bully you like I was just like okay so um what do I do ah uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like we're going to teach that, you that how to opposite. <laughs> yeah, we're going to teach you how to like defend yourself because um I'm not going to be on the playground because I'm an adult and I can't fight a child. So <laughs> that's kind of what was going on there. But other than Even that, what I find fascinating about that example is I hear so much love in that. You know what I mean? Like I don't want to hear about somebody bullying you, right? And I hear that as, yo, you need to make sure that you can handle yourself. You need to make sure, just like what you were saying, you need to make sure that you know how to survive. Because I'm not going to be able to do those things for you because I will go to jail. I cannot do that. Legally and just ethically, no, right? So I need you to be okay because I love you, but I ain't gonna say it like that because I'm big brother and I need to let you know so I'm gonna tell you that you're gonna have a problem. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's interesting because I hear it and I hear the love in it, even though the maybe the delivery, uh, I, I mean, I might not The delivery it seemed a little, a little hostile, <laughs> but everything else, you oh, can that, feel the love everything. behind it. Usually every time when I tell that story, everyone's just like, yikes. <laughs> And I'm just like, no, but he loves me. Like, it's fine. But that's that's funny because that's what I hear is the love. You know, like my sister and I have had moments where my oldest sister, excuse me. So this is the one that was eight. That's that is, excuse me, eight, eight years older than I am. So she was never in school with me. We never had that type of connection. However, um. Well, you know, let's go ahead and get real here. There was a, a period of time, like especially in high school, I, is when I started smoking. I've since quit smoking. I've been smoke-free. However, when I started smoking in high school, my sister found out about it. And she, you know, just kind of took me to the side and was like, you know, I know you're smoking. I don't, you know, I, I can't tell you what to do you're going to do what you're going to do. However, I really wish that you wouldn't because I'm worried about you, yada, yada, you know, health, all that good stuff. Um, so she she couldn't get me in that way. Like my, my middle sister, like in the immediate 
However, there was something about her age and her maturity that was like, oh, you're so much older than me and and you care about me? Like, you're, you're so cool and, oh, you're in college with your college friends and and you care about me enough to come and talk to me about my health? You know what I mean? It was... I, I felt that love from her in that way. So even though they, they weren't able to support me the same, the ways that they showed me the love was the ways that I needed that love to be shown. If that made sense to you. Yeah, yeah, it does. Thank you for tuning into part one of this series. Stay tuned for part two coming next week. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the UNI podcast. If you love this episode as much as we did, rate and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Also, check out our show notes for all of our links, including our Cheers to Better You guide and workbook. New episodes drop every week on Monday. We can't wait to hang out with you again. We'll talk soon. Bye.